Good morning and welcome to Faithbrook. My name is Josh Friesen and I'm one of the volunteer hosts here at Faithbrook. Whether you're joining us in person or online, we are so thankful and excited you've joined us for worship today. If you're newer here, we would love to get to know you. So in the seat in front of you, there is a blue connection card. Please consider filling it out and dropping it in the giving boxes on the way out today. Or you can fill out one online at faithbrook.church connect. What you can expect is somebody from our staff will reach out to you this week. One of our goals here at Faithbrook is to make an impact in our community. And last month we did just that by partnering with Cross Services Backpack Drive. With your generosity, we were able to fill 50 backpacks and have a lot of extra supplies as well. These donations will ensure that kids have the critical items needed to have a successful education. And it'll take a little bit of stress off the families as they prepare for back to school as well. Thank you for everyone who donated generously. Well, speaking of back to school, that also means that fall is right around the corner. And the other thing right around the corner is Faithbrook's fall kickoff event. It is September 17th. By then we'll be back to two services. It is a great time with inflatables, food trucks, and a lot of other super fun events for people of all ages. Also, it's a great opportunity to invite somebody to Faithbrook to get an introduction about our church. So put a little bug in your ear, start brainstorming people that you may want to invite to our service that day. Well, in just a second, we're going to welcome our lead pastor, Jim Comfort, as we continue our series, H2O. How many of you love water? You just have uh, a desire to hang around uh, H2O someplace, maybe a pool, uh, soaking in a pool, laying around a pool, maybe you like lakes, maybe you like boating. Maybe you have the, get the opportunity to just kind of float around on a pontoon. And there's just something about water that just is so replenishing. It just, it just comes our way, and we love it. I have to admit, when I get the opportunity to go up north here in Minnesota, uh, someone might have a, a, a lake place or something like that. And, and I finally have realized that I really get it, right? You, you get up there, and it's like, you don't want to come back home. I mean, this is really nice. This is very pleasurable and is super inviting. Well, why is that? Well, we're going to learn about that in just a little bit. But first, I want to welcome you to our service here this morning. We just got into August, right? And uh, we're hoping for a little bit of H2O coming today. Amen. Maybe we can get some, some rain. Maybe you've suffered through last week, the heat. But we are together. Thanks for watching us online this morning. Well, studies have shown that there is what they call a lake effect, that water, especially calm water, can be very therapeutic to our souls and to our minds. There's something about bodies of water that brings relaxation. There's some serenity about it. And we are drawn to these places of still calm waters. It's no accident that King David wrote in one of the most famous chapters in the Bible, the 23rd Psalms, about waters. He starts it this way. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. And he makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me besides still waters. Other translations might say calm waters or quiet waters that are still that we are drawn. Now, later in that, that Psalms, he talks about 
that he has to walk through valleys. He even walks through valleys that are, are, are full of death or shadows of death, but he's not going to fear any evil for, for God's rod and staff comfort him. How could he walk through these valleys? It, before his career as, as a king, he, he was a shepherd and he would have to take his flocks and there were some dangerous valleys where, where there were some enemies or there were some animals and, and it was fearful. And in his kingship, he was always under threat. The, there was instability and he had high responsibility and it seems like there was just kind of threats all around him. Do you ever feel like you go through some valleys of stress, of threats? of unstabilization, and, and where do you get your serenity? How can you find some calmness? I think that's why God inspired King David to write these words, that he leads me besides these still waters. He draws me to these green pastures. If you know anything about shepherding, one of the great responsibilities as a good shepherd is to make sure that your sheep are finding some good water. Uh, there's some pastures to, to eat from. In fact, that's their main job is just continue to travel with these flocks and, and look for different places. Maybe it's a brook. Maybe it's a pond. They also have to be um, uh, nurtured and, and uh, find the nutrients for their bodies. And where is that lush green pasture where they can just stop and slow down to eat from? Could it be that's kind of like our life? Have you ever found your life just always in speed mode? You're always on the go. Isn't it true? And most people that you say, how you're doing? A lot of them will say, I'm busy. Uh, there's something going on. There's always some kind of responsibility. Many of you have high-end careers and you're burning the candle at both ends with your family and with your career. Not to mention all the emails we got to keep up with and there's ads and social medias and our minds can just be cluttered. And there's complications in our life. But David realized if he was going to make it through the valleys, if, if he was going to be comforted and have some kind of health emotionally and spiritually, he would have to find those still waters, those green pastures to find some rest. Isn't it true that physicians and counselors tell us that rest is vital to our health as a whole? Isn't it true that they recommend that everybody ought to get eight hours of sleep if you want to stay in balance, if you want to have some energy the next day? Is this what David's talking about? That he leads me besides quiet waters to find rest? Does God the Father realize that we also need some rest in some very hectic days? Is that why God invented the Sabbath? When you look at the Old Testament, this word Sabbath in the Hebrew literally means rest. We first see this concept of the Sabbath in the first and second chapters of the whole Bible. The story of the creation where God worked for six days to create the universe, to create this earth. And there was a lot of work to do and a lot of design. And it tells us that at the end of those six days, he looked around and he said, this is good. This is good. And then on the seventh day, he rested. He took Sabbath. He just exhaled, slowed down, and worshiped what he had designed. We also see the Sabbath showing up later in the nation of Israel where God commanded Moses to write the fourth commandment, and that is to keep the Sabbath 
holy. Keep that seventh day super important for God and for yourself because the human nature always wants to strive. It's always wanting to work. And if we do not have a hard stop to rest and to worship, things can get out of line. And God invented rest. God has made us that we have to sleep somewhere. We, we have to slow down. And if we lean into that, it can be refreshing. It can be replenishing. It's a powerful concept of this Sabbath to slow down, to change gears a little bit. Now, a lot of times people debate uh, about the Sabbath. You know, we know some Jewish Orthodox, they really take it literally 24 hours. That sun goes down on Friday night, man, there's no work. You don't do anything for 24 hours. Other people debate, well, when is the Sabbath? The Old Testament, it was Saturday. So why are we worshiping on Sunday? And people get, can, can get bogged down to that and why there is and this and that. But, but God's heart is for us to take Sabbath. Uh, to build in a ritual, to build in rhythms in our life to reset us, maybe reset us spiritually, reset us physically, reset us um, emotionally. And here David writes about this. He leads me besides not stormy waters, not waters I have to work, but waters that are calm still, that my psyche, my body, Maybe my family, my soul gets to replenish. Chuck Swindoll says, God presents the Sabbath rest as a shelter we can enter. He presents this, the Sabbath as a shelter. Psalms 91 says, if we um, shelter in the, the shelter of the Most High, then we can rest in his shadow of the Most High. There's somewhere God wants us to rest and he offers this time if we take advantage of Sabbath. Do you think that's a good idea for us to take time daily, to take time weekly, to stop and rest and replenish? I'm always encouraged to hear people are trying to follow Christ if they try to build that into their life. Some, some people say, well, I try to find five minutes on the sofa uh, to read the Bible, uh, to pray. Uh, some people take walks and they are meditating and thinking in prayer on prayer walks. Some people are reading their Bible while they're on a treadmill and, and multitasking. Some people are literally on their bus on the way to work uh, thinking about God and reading. I realize if you have small kids, it's hard to even get five minutes by yourself, right? The time you sit down, there's going to be some uh, child wanting something from you. It's extremely hard to find that rest daily, even weekly. But this is what I've discovered in my own life. Maybe you discovered in your own life that if we don't take time to rest, your life will be a mess. If you don't take time to rest, eventually your life is going to be a mess. It's going to creep up right before you know it. You're very irritable. Before you know it, you're very critical. It's stressing out the relationships and, and work environment because you've been staying up all night and you just kind of crashing and going. And before you know it, there's not much margin in your life. Sometimes it can plague us physically. Uh, headaches start cropping up and, and, and tenseness. It affects our a professional performance sometimes, and it especially affects our, our spiritual life, that we haven't taken time 
to go vertical, to think about God and, and to, to, to uh, abide in him. And here God says, hey, I want to lead you to these quiet places. I want to let you feed at the lush green pastures. Why? Because I got a plan. And the reason is, is that I want to, as King David wrote, restore your soul. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. This word restore uh, in the Hebrew means to refresh. It means to return. Modern day, you might say we need to reboot or reset ourselves. A lot of times we don't take time to restore our soul. We can survive, we can do okay, but our soul and our mind, even our body can suffer. And so God has a plan that he wants to restore that soul that we walk in paths of righteousness. Now, the word righteousness is kind of complicated. It's kind of big. It means uh, variable things. But one of the things it means is to be right with God. And are we right with God? A lot of times we don't take time to say, God, how are we doing? How's our personal relationship doing right here, right? Is there anything I've offended you? Is there any sins I need to confess? We think about the Lord's prayer, right? Forgive us our sins, but we even have to slow down to do that. Is there anything I need to let go of? That takes some quiet waters. That takes some green pastures to restore that soul, to restore that relationship with God. And when we are made right with God, before you know it, his attributes, his spirit starts spilling over into our everyday life. Before we know it, that we are living more like Christ. Before we know it, we're loving a lot better. We have a lot more toleration. We have a lot more grace. Before we know it, attributes like generosity, compassion, sensitivity, courage, integrity, Character starts showing up because we're walking down the paths of righteousness because we've taken time at the still water, the green pastures, and our soul has been replenished. We are a much better person as a whole when we have taken time to rest, practice Sabbath, let our soul be restored, whether it be daily or weekly. Now, I have a <clears throat> confession to make to you that uh, I live, my family has to live with a broken water softener, a broken water softener. Uh, years ago, somehow the water softener did not recycle itself automatically, the timer or whatever. And I got on the 1-800 number and talked to the person and, and they gave me a few buttons to push. And it's a little complicated. I don't know where the manual was. Just, just like a normal man, right? I just like, ah, oh, I try to figure it out. I couldn't fix it, right? So pretty soon I say, you know, I'm going down the basement a lot anyway. I'll just push it manually. Every day I'll just push that man to recycle and stuff like this. And I, I got this thing. And for years we've been doing it. And it usually works until once in a while the wifey would say, uh, Jim, did you push and recycle the, the water softener? Why? Well, we're making coffee. And in the coffee pot, there's these ugly little residue rings running around here. You want some coffee? Right? And he's like, ah, I don't know about that. Right? Sorry. I didn't get down there to replenish the hard water because there's a lot of calcium uh, in our water. And if we don't soften it before you know it, you know, the water gets a little cloudy. Uh, it's drinkable, right? It, it's usable, but it kind of affects our, our laundry. It can affect our hair and, and bathing. And it's just better to soften that water. Can I get an amen, right? 
So, so a lot of times, though, it's like us. We just get busy and we don't take time to reset and soften our heart. And before we know it, we're a little grumpy. We're, we're a little edgy. We're, we're not that person at work. We're not that person around in our homes and in our, in our, with our relationships that it has a soft heart. We kind of have a, a hard heart. And here, David is giving us a roadmap to live with a soft heart that we have to take time. He leads us to these quiet waters. Yes, we have to find those quiet waters. We have to find those times of green pastures to live like Christ, to have a soft heart, to to endure all the things that disappoint us or irritate us or agitate us. And we find without time for rest, we can't love at our best. If we don't take time to rest, we won't love at our best. I've found this true. And I would declare to you that our, our families, <clears throat> our communities, our world need us to live, to love at our best. Uh, if we claim to be Christ followers, who is those people in the workplace? Who's those people in the neighborhoods that, that can love at their best, that can show grace and compassion and love? Because last I looked, this world is tough. This world is very tense and divided and there's hurt. And who's the person that has a soft heart? that's been at the water, who's been in the green pastures, that has a healthy soul, that has a a soul that is trying to walk down a path of righteousness to care and to love. So if this is true, that we, we, when we take time for rest, we can love at our best, then how do we do it? Can I recommend three ways? And the first way to love at our best is to take time daily, to love at our best daily. Now, if you look at Christ, you'll notice that he did this often. He would sneak away because he needed to be replenished. He needed to get some quiet time. He needed to go vertical with God to align his heart and his will, his, his attitude with his father, God. And so he would sneak off. Now, now this is God himself, right? The son of God. You'd think, hey, man, he, he can do anything he wants and does miracles. He doesn't need to replenish, right? Can't he just go 24-7? But in his humanity and just modeling for us, there are times where we got to shut down. There are times where we got to find some quiet time to align our heart, to reset it, to replenish if we're going to love uh, our best. You know, through my, my years, I've always kind of secretly admired people who do yoga, okay? I know it's kind of girly and stuff like that, but I, I've met men and people and they're like, yeah, they just, they just love yoga, right? I've, I've been at coffee shops early in the morning and they're dragging in from around the corner. There's a massive yoga class and there's yoga clubs here and every yoga this, yoga that. And, and I was like, what's up with that yoga thing? And they're like, oh, man, it's just a time to kind of reset. We get still and we get in all these weird poses, right? And we're stretching and, 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 and I'm like, yeah, I, I'm down with that. I need to stretch, right? But we're really meditating. We're really kind of focusing in. And then they all it's like, man, it changes my world, changes my day. I can do better and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, yeah, I, I, I get that. I, I get that. Shouldn't Christians do something like that? Shouldn't Christians take uh, time out of their life to reset and to meditate? The difference between yoga meditation is they are focusing on self-centering, the, the energy and the force is somewhere within us. And there, there's some of that, right? 
But I would recommend that there's something greater that is outside you, that something is divine, something that's supernatural, something that's transcendent, and that is God through his son, Jesus Christ, who can infill us with his energy, his love, his peace, his purpose. And so when we, we meditate and focus, it's on the things of God. I think the prophet Isaiah understood this. When he wrote in Isaiah 23, 3, he says, you will keep in perfect peace. Anybody need perfect peace? Those whose minds are steadfast. The word steadfast means focused. It means prioritized. Because they trust in you. Somewhere we have to remind ourselves to trust in God. To be steadfast in our heart, steadfast in our mind. And before we know it, we have peace to practice meditation. If that means we, we sit and stretch or whatever, but we're thinking about the promises and the truths of God on a daily basis. You know, I, I've been doing ministry for over 30 years. I've met a lot of people. I'm a connoisseur of Christianity and how we grow. One of the heartbeats of Faith Broke here is we just don't want you to be baby Christians. We want you to thrive. We want you to uh, enhance and develop. And one of the secret things, if we could get people to do that, and I found it true in my life. The secret sauce is having that personal time with God. It seems to be the hardest thing in our society because there's a thousand things that are calling our attention, calling my attention, and for me to slow down and get beside quiet waters and, and feed on the green pastures of God's worth and history is just so hard, but that is, seems to be a catalyst to propel us in our relationship with God. I, Mark Bachman said, most of the things we need to be most fully alive never come in busyness. They come in rest. We grow in our rest. Yes, we're stretched and we're pulled, but it's when we take time to reflect and say, God, who am I? How, am, I, am, I am I in righteousness with you? Uh, my children need me to be righteous, my, my spouse and my family, my community. So how we do it, I need to take time. So I want to encourage you to take time to find the quiet waters. One of the best things we, we can do is open up the word of God and remind ourselves of the promises of God. Some people have little devotion books like this little simple, Our Daily Bread. You can go to the calendar, you know, August 6th, and, and there it is. Just one little paragraph and a verse. We, we can do that. I mean, a game changer has been this version Bible app uh, that you can put on your phone. I mean, the whole Bible, this thing right here is sitting on my, my, my place at all times. I can get into it. And I, I, if you don't have that Bible uh, version app, uh, it's, it's outstanding. They take away all the excuses. For example, uh, I, I used to, I'm, I read through the Bible. I'm on a, a Bible plan through the Bible app, version that I'm reading through the whole Bible in two years. So it just kind of cuts it up in chunks and it keeps you on a date and, and it helps me stay in the word. And I don't want to get behind. Before you know it, after two years, I've read the whole Bible and, and I know it better. You might say, man, Jim, I don't have time for that. I'm not a preacher kind of guy. Uh, but do you have like three minutes? Do you have five minutes? I mean, they have a verse of the day that you can stop and just pause and drink in the verse of the day to meditate on that. Well, you might say, well, I, I'm on the go. My kids need to be fed and I got to do laundry. In fact, right there, they got, a, they got a minister that will just give you kind of like a YouTube version of that little five minutes 
um, little devotion on that verse. You can be brushing your teeth, you can get your kids ready, and you can just hit it on auto and be listening and get, being at the green pasture. There's even um, a guided prayer. Some of you are like, I don't know how to pray. I don't know where to start. They got you covered. In fact, this morning, I turn it on. This is what it says this morning, okay? This is where your quiet waters can happen right here. This is your time to pause and rest. Take a deep breath and let yourself slow down. Whew, we need that, do we not? I need that, right? The next thing says, make space to enjoy God's presence. So now they're slowing us down. We're getting to that quiet water. We're getting to that green pasture, right? You push the button. And then they're going to give you some scripture. And they're going to walk you through. Before you know it, you just spent five minutes with God. And I can guarantee you, you're, you're going to love better if you spend five minutes at quiet waters, refreshing, being restored in your righteousness every day. The second way we can be restored and love better is weekly, to really lean into this concept of Sabbath, that we take a, a, a day or so to just kind of focus in. Now, most of the time we associate Sabbath with church, and that's highly valuable because everything is pulling us away from God. And so when we put in our calendar, you know what, Sunday, we're going to make God a priority. Kids, get your stuff, get ready, put gas in the car. We're going to go to church. And half the time, we're, we're like, I don't got time for that. Kids are late. And we walk into the church. But by the time we walk out of church, for the most part, hopefully, we're better people. We're grateful that we came. Our kids are smiling. We got reassured. And here at Faithbrook, that's one of our great missions because I know your life is tough. I know that you are going through some stuff. This is like an oasis. Oasis in the desert. Uh, you guys are being pushed and pulled. And, and when you come to faith work right here, by the time you turn on that corner right there, God's spirit ought to be all over you. We want our greeters and our volunteers and it should be the best hour of the week for our kids. There are volunteers say, I'm so glad you came. We got some crafts for you. We got some goodness for you. We're going to tell you how much God loves you. He's got a plan for your life. And when you come and there's a worship set here, right? And we just sing, I am a child of God. Because everything in our society is telling us, you better measure up. You're not good enough. You're not pretty enough. And right here, the Holy Spirit and the Word say, no, you don't have to chase you can just rest in who you are in identity. And when you walk out here, you say, man, I am a secure, whole, joyful, fulfilled person. Hopefully the preaching's um, encouraging and challenging and God's doing a touchdown dance. It's like, that's why I plan the Sabbath. You are going to have a harder life if you don't put the ritual and the rhythm of Sabbath in your life. Go home, take a nap. Watch the Vikings lose, right? Enjoy the day, right? Try not to do yard work. Do something that replenishes your soul. Hey, kids, let's all go to the pool. Let's go walk somewhere. Enjoy the day that God has set aside to reset your life. Because without rest, you can't love at your best. Now, some of you might be asking, well, is resting and replenishing, is it just Bible stuff? Is it just like church stuff? Is that the only place? I would say no. There are other things that God can help you replenish. In fact, I would encourage you to practice regular life-giving activities. I learned about this a couple of years ago. 
Um, I just kind of had my church and, and spiritual life, and then everything else was just kind of pleasure, entertainment, but I did not connect and together. But someone taught me that a lot of times life can be draining. There are a huge amount of responsibilities, agitations, and we need things to replenish us emotionally, spiritually, even physically. In fact, I want you to think about life-giving activities that you enjoy. That after you do them, you're like, man, I, I feel a lot better. It could, it could start with exercise, right? Uh, some of you practice walking in the park. Some of you enjoy gardening. Some of you like painting. Uh, some of you like sports. Some of you like, man, I like going to the cabin. And when I go to the cabin, that's my happy place. I'm replenished. Uh, somewhere, some of you like reading. You're just like, hey, I'm an introvert. I really am a better person. I'm replenished after just sitting and taking time in a cozy place to replenish. Now, you might say, well, this doesn't feel very spiritual. I was like that. This is, so is this from God? Should I enjoy this pleasure or, or should it be guilty? You know, when you're on vacation or you're driving around in your pontoon with your family, is, is that anywhere spiritual? It could be. In fact, I want to take you in Romans 8, verse 15, that says that God did not give us a spirit of, of enslavement to fear, anxiety, but he gave us a spirit of what? Of sonship, of daughtership, if you will. That we are children of God. If you read verse 18, it will say, and by that we cried, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. For the Jewish people, Abba means daddy. It's an endearing term. Oh, thank you, daddy. Abba, Father. Well, if you know anything about a father's heart or a good parent's heart, there is an endearing love and endearing parents give good gifts to their kids. They want to give their gifts. They want to see our kids have some pleasures. And so that also is the heart of Christ, that he's our Abba Father. Would he also want to give us some good gifts? Does it always have to be a, a new Bible or some spiritual thing, right? In fact, Jesus was in dialogue with some Pharisees and, and he said this to them. How much more does your earthly fathers want to give you good gifts? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit if you ask him? That we can ask in the gift of the Holy Spirit. And part of the Holy Spirit is the fruit of joy. That the Holy Spirit and, and, and creation and God's love, that as far as we know it, we are experiencing joy. That in those still waters, in those green pastures, there's some life-giving activities that replenish us that we enjoy. And they even can be categorized as pleasures or maybe entertainment. But, but when you step out of that, you're like, wow, I've been replenished. I enjoyed that. I, I'm happy. I, I, I love that. While a lot of other activities drain us. I'll never forget a couple years ago, we took a family vacation up to Glacier National um, Park, uh, northwest corner of Montana. Our oldest son and daughter moved up there. It's like, hey, we're going up there. And it's like, hey, mom, dad, let, let's go hiking up in this, this glacier area. And it was pristine. I mean, it was gorgeous and lush under these uh, pine trees. And there was just 
brilliant, beautiful, gushing uh, streams of water coming off those mountain lakes and the, the, the snow tops. And we're walking up and through this mountain pass. And I look over to my left and I see this sight. And it just took my breath away. And I had to take a picture uh, right there. And I was like, whoa. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a mainlander, right? I don't live around mountains much, right? I've never seen something like that. But it was early in the morning. It was like God was coming around that corner, right? Everything was still. It was just majestic. It was beautiful. And that was just the beginning. And I thought to myself, well, what am I doing up here? This is so brilliant. This is so enjoying to me. And half of me, I got some weirdness, right? I need some therapy. Half of me is like, man, I should be back at church. There are people in the hospital, people suffering. I need to be back at work, right? What am I doing up here? And it seems like God said, Jim, this is a gift to you. I created all of this. You're my child. Relax. Embrace this. This is life-giving. You see these people you're trucking up the, uh, the mountain with? And you're enjoying this? Let this re-energize this. Let, you, let this rest. Enjoy this vacation. This is for you. And I started realizing it's not just always Bible reading. It's just not always you know, Sunday service. But there are times in our life, there's life-giving activities. And sometimes the rhythm is yearly. That we go on vacation to places. So some of you really love travel. Some of you, it's like, I love going camping. Or I like going boating. And somewhere we find these, these uh, experiences that give a life to us. But here's the question. Do we connect it with God and to give thanks? When you're walking in the mountains like that, do you say, God, your creation is marvelous? Are you thinking about some scriptures? Are you thinking, in fact, I mean, it's a great worship time. Saying, God, you're so good. Thank you that we could get the, the gas money to get up here. Thank you for my family. Thank you for your sunshine that's going to come. Thank you. And you just, you just connect everything with God. That's what God is looking for. In fact, if you read the Bible, you'll find that this is from God. James 1 says, every good and perfect gift is from above. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father, the Abba Father of the heavenly lights. Do you have any good gifts in your life? Have you been able to go on a vacation or a cruise? Uh, do you have some, uh, some uh, fun things in your, your house or gardening or, or some pleasures in your life? Do you connect with God? Say, God, thank you. I, I've really enjoyed that. It wasn't at church, but it was over here, and that helped me a lot. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for that gift, Daddy. Thank you. Now, there's a shadow side to this. I have to warn you. Sometimes we want to live at the still waters, right? We want to always be in the green pastures, right? And just hang out at Disney World, okay? But a lot of times we got to go back, okay? God wants, wants us to live there. We got to get back into the valleys. We got to get back in the strain. But if we can learn to find those rhythms and those times of quiet waters daily, weekly, and periodically that revive us, we can love at our best. Without rest, you can't love at your best. And if you don't take time to rest, your life is going to be a mess. So I want to offer you two things, okay? Some, some homework. First thing I'd like you to do is make time daily to be restored. Find that time, work for it. Now, if you don't make it every day, don't get down and guilty on that. 
but you got to find the time. Maybe, you know, if late at night, uh, you can sneak out, make it take a walk. Uh, maybe when the kids are taking a nap, uh, maybe get up early. Maybe as one guy says, I'm on the bus somewhere. And if it's just three minutes, if it's just five minutes to say every day, I'm going to do my best to open up that version app and just meditate on that verse of the day. If I have to, I'm going to hit the button and let somebody speak into my life. All right. Before you know it, we are loving better. Number two, I want to encourage you to list out your life-giving activities. Your life-giving activities. I never thought about that. I just went through life and I was like, you know, I really enjoy, for instance, you know, exercising sports for me. It's not so much a drag. I hate starting it every morning. But, but it's life-giving. Uh, for me to play basketball, with somebody, it's, it's kind of life-giving. I love that. And, and if you go to your spouse, they probably make a list and theirs is different. I know Terry, hers is different, right? She'd rather curl up with some popcorn in a movie and she's like, woo, man, that was life-giving, right? I'm like, let's go. All right, so we got to find our different list and maybe even share that with a family member, say, maybe your kids. What gives you life? What do you really enjoy? Probably it's going to be different than yours. But if we lean into them, we will be better people. We will love a lot better when we practice rest. So I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, uh, and why don't we stand and pray and we'll close up here. Gracious God, we're so thankful that you want us to take rest. We thank you for Psalms 23 that reminds us that we need to find those still waters, that you want to even lead us to green pastures and to refurbish us and replenish us and restore our soul to live like you in righteousness. And without rest, we cannot love at our best. Help us to be people of love this week. And if we have pleasures, if we are enjoying anything from the lake to pools to activities, God, help us always give you um, um, appreciation and connect it with you as a gift from our Abba Father. Bless us now as we go and be a blessing to our community. In Jesus' name, amen.